Mark chapter 12. We're going to read from verse 28 to verse 34. One of the teachers of the law came and heard them debating. Noticing that Jesus had given them a good answer, he asked Jesus, of all the commandments, which is the most important? The most important one, answered Jesus, is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. The second is this. Love your neighbor as yourself. There's no commandment greater than these. Well said, teacher, the man replied. You are right in saying that God is one and there is no other but him. To love him with all your heart, with all your understanding and with all your strength and to love your neighbor as yourself is more important than all burnt offerings and sacrifices. When Jesus saw that he'd answered wisely, he said to him, you're not far from the kingdom of God. And from then on, no one dared ask him any more questions. Let's pray together, asking for help. Father, we thank you that you're the God who speaks. And Lord, we pray that you'd speak to us now. And whether we are people who've been following you for many years, or we're just beginning that journey, or who don't yet follow you, Lord, we pray that we would hear your voice this morning. And that we would then respond to it, Lord. Be our teacher, we pray. We are listening. Amen. It's seen as the most important thing to happen in Europe for years. It will have an impact on millions across the continent. After years of planning and preparation, the day is almost here. Lies have been told. Passions have been raised. Tears will be shed. Hearts will be broken. All because of one single question. Will we be able to get through to the second round of the <laughs> European Championships? Well, if you're consumed by football, believe it or not, there are other important things happening this week in Europe. And we, of course, as a nation, have been here before. 5th of June 1975, the last referendum on Europe that we had when we voted as a nation by 67% to be a part of the common market. And here we are, millions of us poised to vote on Thursday. Some of us already have via the post. A vote that will define a generation. And whether you are confident of the way you vote or you're totally confused, whether you are clueless on what's happening or you're pretty clear in your mind, one thing is for sure, this vote will have a huge impact on us as a country and an impact that's huge on the continent as a whole. So this morning, we're simply going to take some time asking, is there anything the Bible might have to say to us today on this? How should Christians respond to this? Uh, and maybe you're here this morning and you're not sure whether you are a Christian, not sure whether you'd call yourself a Christian. It, it may be that this morning there's another perspective for you that you've not yet heard in all the campaigns. And as we get into this, I'd love to just manage your expectations for a moment. I don't know if you heard the story a few weeks ago about Bristol Council and the voting guidelines that they gave. Here they were, some instructions on the manner in which you do the voting process, but perhaps their guidance was a little bit too clear in their description. 
as they gave quite direct advice on the way that one should vote. I am not going to do that today. If you've come looking for somebody to steer your hand, to mark an X on the ballot paper, I am not going to do that, I'm sorry. But the question that is posed there, that we will all face this Thursday, is important. Should the United Kingdom remain a member of the European Union or leave the European Union? Remain or leave? In or out? And for a few minutes, I want to ask us four simple questions that I think all of us can ask ourselves regarding our vote. And they're these questions. Should I care? Should I vote? How should I vote? And what do I hope the result will be? And to manage your expectations even further, the first two will be briefer than the second two. So firstly then, should I care about all of this? It, for some of us, it may be that we simply have given up caring. Whether it's the constant images of Dave or Boris, or the constant words of George or Nigel, many of us are simply fed up with this whole caboodle. And a cynicism has grown in, and you see all over the place a kind of anti-politics mood. We're not sure what the truth is, we're not sure what lies are, and it's easy for us to just simply become disillusioned. I just don't care anymore. And for others of us, the tragic events of these last few days, with MP Joe Cox brutally murdered, has given this whole thing another edge. That if politics does this to our country, well, it just doesn't seem important anymore. Two children have lost their mum, a husband has lost his wife, all because of hatred apparently whipped up by politics. So no thanks, I just don't care anymore. I have real sympathy with that approach. But I want to suggest that the way that the Bible describes God can give us pause for thought here. Again and again in the pages of scripture, you hear God described. Let me just give a few. Psalm 86, verse 15. But you, Lord, are a compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness. Or Psalm 34, verse 18. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted, saves those who are crushed in spirit. Which, by the way, if you're here this morning and you fit into those categories, you're brokenhearted, you're crushed. God is close. Whether or not you follow him, whether or not God, you're not sure who he is, Actually, if that's you, God is closer than you think. All these words from the end of Jonah, where, where God has given this job for Jonah to do, to go and preach to this city of Nineveh, and he kind of runs away from it, and there's this whole story that happens, and Jonah goes in a strop. God, he sits under a plant to just protect him from the sun, and then the plant dies. Jonah goes ballistic, and we read these amazing words where God says, the Lord said, you've been concerned about this plant. Should I not have concern for the great city of Nineveh, in which there are more than 120,000 people? Or we might ask, should I not be concerned for this nation of 66 million people? Or should I not be concerned for this continent of hundreds of millions of people? Do we care? Should we care about this vote? I, I, I want to suggest that the Bible paints God as a God of compassion, 
who cares for people and because this vote affects millions of people, therefore God cares about this vote and therefore we ought to care as well. God cares about people. We're called to care about people. This affects people, therefore we care about it. And that attitude of compassion that MPs like Joe Cox gave her life for, so too might we have the same attitude of compassion to others. And I guess for some of us, the greatest thing that God might have to say to us in this referendum is not about the outcome at all. It actually is the question, do we care about the people in our nation and in our continent? This vote will impact millions of people in countless of ways. God cares about those people, do we? So yeah, we should care. But secondly though, naturally out of that is, well, should I vote then? And again, I want to suggest simple answer. Romans chapter 13 describes our approach to our governing authorities. Uh, and we can spend a long time discussing them. And in Outlook, there's some questions that you might want to explore about them. But let me read Romans chapter 13, verse 1. Let everyone be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except that which God has established. The authorities that exist have been established by God. And of course, the interesting thing for us, what is our system of government? Who is the authority? You are. We are. We are in a democracy, a demos, where the people, the demos, vote and govern. We appoint people to decide on our behalf, yes, but we get to choose them. And so therefore, in many, many respects, we are the governing authorities. So therefore, should we vote? I think the answer is yes. But you might say, my vote doesn't count, little old me. Well, of course, I have sympathy again with that. But of course, we could stretch the same thing to anything in a community. I won't recycle or I won't give to charity or to the church because my little bit doesn't make any difference. But of course, in community, it makes a massive difference. And so we resonate with famous quotes like this one from Edmund Burke. All that is required for evil to pervade is for good men and women to do nothing. So should we care? Yes, because God cares about people. This is about people. And therefore, should we vote? Yes, because we have an opportunity to vote for good. So yes, we care. Yes, we vote. But then the next question, in which we'll dwell a little bit longer on. How then should we vote? And I think there's four perspectives on this, on the how. And the first is this. I think we should vote graciously. When it comes to the Bible, when it comes to church life, I want to suggest that there are three different levels of things. There are things that we would call essentials to Christianity. There are things that are utterly clear in here that down through history, Christians have again and again in the creeds and across various different denominations have said this is what it means to be a Christian. Things about who Jesus is, things about what he did, things about God the Father, God the Holy Spirit and so on. The foundations of what it means to be a Christian. They are essentials. But there are also another level, there are things that you might call convictions. These are things that we believe passionately about something in the Bible, 
But it might be that a church down the road has a slightly different perspective on it. It doesn't mean they're not Christian, but it just means they have a different conviction about it. So, for example, the way we do church, the way we have leadership, uh, things like baptism, all those sort of things, they're important, don't get me wrong. And we are, we're convinced about what the Bible teaches on them, but it doesn't mean they are what it means to be a Christian. Do you see the distinction? Essentials, convictions. The convictions are the way we do things around here, and it's good to have hearty discussion about those. But then there's a third level, and that is the level of opinion. Essentials, convictions, opinions. And opinions are things that you may well have a perspective on from the Bible, but actually, even in this room here, there will be different opinions about it. And you can both equally justify it, but they are just, at the end of the day, opinions. So, for example, how should we sing? Should we do it jumping around, dancing around? Should we do it with hymns? Should we repeat endless choruses or should we do kind of liturgical choral psalms? The answer is up to you because the Bible isn't any prescription on that. It's an opinion. There may be wisdom about it and so on, but don't elevate it to something that it is not. And the truth is in church life, we get into problems when we get the order the wrong way around. We make things that are a matter of opinion into a conviction or an essential and the other way around. When we make things that are an essential, ah, it doesn't really matter what you think. Does that make sense? I'm convinced this is a matter of opinion as we'll get there in a minute. But because of that, I think we should be gracious in the way we vote. I don't know if you saw this story this week, brilliant story, as a young guy happened to see his grandma doing a search on Google. And she's not familiar with internet ways. Look at what she's written. Please translate these Roman numerals, thank you. <laughs> Which reminds me of uh, Claire's granny who used to leave voicemails. Dear Claire, how are you? Lots of love, Granny. In other words, it's an older way of kind of doing it, but it's a polite way of doing it. Dear Google, please will you help me? What's the answer to this question? Thank you very much. There's something there about the way in which we approach the vote graciously. And I guess for some of us, the single biggest issue in this vote is actually about our attitudes to those that we have a different opinion from. Like it says in Philippians, where Paul says, think of others more highly than yourselves, rather than, oh, you vote that way, do you? <laughs> I'm cleverer than you, or whatever the answer may be. So vote graciously. That's the first answer to how. The second answer to how, I think, is vote lightly. By saying vote lightly, it doesn't mean that we don't think this is an important thing. It is very important. But how important is it? Well, I think those verses we read from Mark's Gospels give us a little hint. When the man says to Jesus, you're right in saying that, that God is one and there is no other but him. God is God, not the European Parliament, not the UK Parliament. And no matter which way this vote goes, God won't stop being God. And so therefore, let me be very clear. Europe is neither the devil nor the Messiah. Both are at work in it. The United Kingdom is neither the devil nor the Messiah. Both are at work in it. 
And I think how we approach this vote, what importance we attribute to it is key for us as church. Yes, it affects millions of people for whom God cares about, but God will still be God. The world will not stop turning, whichever way the vote goes. And therefore, of course, an outworking of that is, are we praying about this? If God is ultimately the reigner of the nation, ruler of the nations as we've sung, do I pray for our leaders? Do I pray for the European leaders? Do I pray for our country? And if you're here this morning, you're not sure whether you call yourself a Christian, not sure you're used to praying, actually you might want to try and just say, God, please help. <laughs> because God is God. So vote graciously. Vote lightly. Don't give it an importance that it is that it can't bear. But thirdly, how should we vote? I think freely. Freely. I don't know if you've seen Sunday Express website today. Here's one of their headlines. Church leader makes impassioned speech in favor of Brexit and claims it is God's view. I am not going to do that. There will be in this room right now a lot of passionate different views on this issue. Amongst us as leaders at Riverside, there are differing perspectives on it. And that's normal and natural. And in truth, if you were to ask me, how does God want us to vote? I would say, I don't know. Because the Bible doesn't tell us so. I've looked very carefully. Jesus passed through Bethany and said, Lo is he who goes to Strasbourg and votes in the wrong way. You do not find how to vote in the EU referendum in the pages of Scripture. There are lots of things in Scripture, as we'll come to in a minute, that feed into our vote. But are we clear on what Scripture says? No. If you want to know what I think personally, you can ask me later and I'll tell you personally. But can I just say in passing here, it may be that there are some of us in this room who have read some stuff about some aspects of the Bible or some prophetic bits of the Bible or the book of Revelation or whatever it may be. For example, I don't know if you've heard this. There is a man speaking in the European Parliament and do you notice which seat is empty? 666. And so therefore, clearly, the devil's at work, isn't he? Apart from when you do a little bit of research and you find out that six seat 666 is occupied by, on the left in Strasbourg, Roberta Metzola of the Christian Democrats in Malta, and on the right in Brussels by Davor Schulich, who's an independent former structural engineer professor who is a part of the Sustainable Development of Croatia party. I don't know them. They don't look like the devil to me. And if you've read some interpretations of Revelation and directly applied and said they've got to be about now, I want to suggest that I think you fundamentally misunderstood what Revelation is about. That it is fundamentally a resource for persecuted Christians under Roman oppression in a reminder that whether all is against you and even the empires and the nations are against you, Jesus wins. Which is why we sing and shout, come Lord Jesus. So, 
There are sensible reasons for voting both ways. But you won't find, I don't think, clear direction either way. And so therefore, vote freely. Be free. How then should we vote? Graciously, lightly, freely. Uh, but fourthly, I think we should vote, and we're called to vote carefully. And I want to suggest that I think Scripture asks of us and says, the way in which you make your decision is arguably even more important than the decision you make. The why is more important than the how. Two people can vote the same way, but for very different reasons. And the Bible is quite clear about two responsibilities that Christians have. The first, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, strength. Let me give you an example. Loving God with all your mind. What might that look like? Well, for some of us, it means exploring further than the particular perspective that we have bought into, whatever that might be. Because in truth, we all know we can pick up any newspaper or watch any particular TV program, and there is an agenda here that may mean certain facts are skewed in a certain direction. Now, I've toyed with the idea of sharing what I'm about to share. I'm going to do it. I did it in the first service. You can critique me afterwards if you think it's inappropriate. But let me give you an example of this. Here is the front page of the Daily Express over the last uh, few weeks and months, in which again and again and again, the headline is about asylum seekers and migration. I want to suggest that that is a very, very important issue within the context of this reformation, re reformation? <laughs> referendum. But I want to suggest there are other important issues and therefore just focusing on one issue is not appropriate for a Christian, regardless of which way you think that is going. Because we're called to love God carefully with our minds, which means exploring what is the truth here? What are the lies? What's the distortion? What's the bias? regardless of what your approach may be. Weighing things up. I'm not having a go at Daily Express. All perspectives, it seems, has a particular agenda in it. So therefore, loving God with her heart means coming honestly and saying, oh, I'm open to changing my mind, Lord. Challenging my prejudices, whatever they may be. But there's the second perspective here. Yes, loving God, but also love your neighbor as yourself. And here, it's key why we may choose the decision is as important as the which way we choose. And if you've noticed, a lot of the campaign material on both sides is all about how it will benefit you and your family. I want to suggest a question for us. Would I, would you be willing to vote for something that will make you worse off if it benefits more people? I think that's a whole-hearted question that love your neighbor as yourself poses for us. In other words, are we willing to vote selflessly rather than selfishly? What that looks like could be summed up by this amazingly famous verse. What does the Lord require of you? Act justly, love mercy, Walk humbly 
with your God. Voting with compassion, with selflessness, with humility, with grace and with love is, I think, the manner in which we approach this vote. So, should we care? Absolutely. Should we vote? I think so. How? Well, in many respects, how is about our attitude to God and our neighbour. But fourthly, then, what do we actually hope will the result be? The truth is, this vote is not going to achieve salvation for us. At the end of that passage, Jesus says something remarkable to the man who spoke so wisely. Jesus said to him, you are not far from the kingdom of God. What he's saying is this. There is a kingdom that transcends every government and every nation and every continent. There is a kingdom of God that is one that is welcome to all, open to all, a kingdom of everlasting love and compassion and grace, regardless of political view, regardless of birthplace, regardless of where we come from. There is a place that is open to anyone, regardless of background, regardless of past, regardless of the stuff, the mess you've made of your life. There is a kingdom that transcends even this vote. And I guess for all of us, the overarching question is, do we vote for the king? And for some of us here today, our hope is this vote is one particular direction. And frankly, we're putting too much weight on the European Parliament or on our government or whatever it may be. Rather than, as we've said already, choosing to say, I am a citizen of heaven. That doesn't mean I'm not a citizen of Britain, yes. I'm a citizen of the UK, yes. I'm a citizen of Europe, yes. And that means I need to be wise. But first and foremost, we're called to be citizens of heaven. That is where salvation lies in Christ and Christ alone. Not in any politician of any flavor. So for some of us, you need to hear today, there is the possibility for your past to be wiped clean, to have a fresh start to begin again with a different king, without you as ruling your life, but with Jesus. And for others of us, we simply need to acknowledge, Lord, I want to be more and more a citizen of heaven, living temporarily in the here and now. Help me to be wise. Help me to be faithful in what you've called us to do. So therefore, may we be people who vote carefully, graciously, wisely but ultimately voting for our king, the king above all kings.